The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. It's going to be an emotional night for some of us. If it's not emotional for you, that's no big deal at all. It doesn't need to be, but if it is, that's okay too. And I want you to know that uh, we have a prayer station set up in the back. We not only have a place uh, with candles you can light, journal entries you can write tonight as, as I talk a little bit, and then as we enter into a time of more worship through song, but we got people back there if you want to pray with somebody. Some things I might say might spark a few things in you. It might be painful. It might not be painful tonight. I'm just going to give you a heads up. might be a more emotional night for some of us. We're going we're gonna to close down our series on the book of Daniel. And we're not just going to tail off, people. We're going to finish with a bang tonight because if you have been following us the last five weeks in Daniel, we've been going chapter by chapter. We've covered six chapters in five weeks, and there's 12 chapters in this book. I'm going to do my best to cover six chapters tonight. Not a very good idea. Going to give you a heads up. I kind of feel like... Um, Okay, you know when you go to buffet, okay? And not just any buffet, but every once in a while when like your parents come into town or you get invited to something that you should not be at and you find yourself at a really good buffet and you have to make some hard choices. This is way better food than I ever eat. Am I gonna eat everything or am I gonna go straight to the most expensive thing on the buffet line, fill my plate with just that, and, and make sure that I get more than my money's worth here. For those that are regulars at Buffet, like myself, these are constant problems that we deal with. <laughs> Last week, I was invited to go to this fancy restaurant for breakfast, and they have this breakfast buffet where they were making omelets for you and had eggs benedict, and then they have this giant thing just filled with smoked salmon. And I was like, I have seen smoked salmon in stores before. It is expensive. I'm not gonna have any potatoes, any eggs, anything else, and I just filled the plate with smoked salmon. I said, I know it's not like a well-balanced breakfast, but it's the most expensive thing here and I'm taking it. When we've been running through Daniel, okay, we've been kind of picking and choosing. The fact is, is that Daniel is a book filled with depth. There's prophecy, there's eschatology, study of the end times. Okay, there's a lot of depth to this book and we have just been taking small pieces that feel like they apply to the life we live as college students here in 2018. I encourage you to dig deeper into this book. I'm not gonna do justice to six chapters of Daniel tonight. But as we've been walking through, we left off last week in Daniel 6, Justin did a great job. Walking us through this message of Daniel finding himself in the lion's den. And, and now the book starts to shift a little bit. There's a shift. These six, six chapters in the beginning, we see Daniel and his faithfulness, kind of the hero character in the book. And, and now it shifts to what some people, if you're just opening up the Bible for the first time, this is going to be a weird section for you. Daniel 7 through 12 is, is all about prophecy, okay? It's all about the dreams that Daniel has. We see him interpret dreams for other people early on. God works through him to interpret dreams. And now the last six chapters has three major dreams from Daniel. He's the one who has the visions from God. And in fact, he can't even understand his own visions, 
and God brings people. And we're not gonna dive into all three of those visions tonight, but we are going to pick a few pieces of those visions that walk us through kind of the end of our time with Daniel. Does that make sense? I'm gonna pick and choose. I encourage you to go home, keep reading. There's a lot we can study. Okay, but we're gonna jump in tonight to Daniel chapter nine. Uh, We're gonna have three different sections of scripture tonight in Daniel nine, one in Daniel 11, and one in Daniel 12. Okay, and I want to open out of out of Daniel 9. So if we could throw that text up on the screen. Okay, this is uh this is Daniel's second vision. He has in the middle of it, we're jumping, jumping right into the middle. Uh, and Daniel says, Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. This is Daniel here. He says, For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Remember the people of Israel... Okay, the people of Judah are not in their homeland. They're in captivity and they've been in captivity a long time. Continues on. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we dive into your text tonight. I admit, Lord, I will not do justice to all the depth of your word. But would you speak through my mouth tonight, God? Would these words be yours as we listen to what you have for us here in this room? Amen. Personally, I'm a a big fan of public transportation. Okay, I love the light rail. I love that it's expanding. Super excited we have one at UW as it moves further north. I love it. If you have done any extensive traveling, especially in Europe, you find yourself on much more public transportation. The rail system there is well known, especially in big European cities. Well known because as you get to the rail, okay, as you get down to the train, what you'll notice is that the train does not butt right up against the standing platform. And they noticed a problem many years ago that they decided must be fixed. And instead of bringing the rail closer, they said, what we'll do is nonstop say the same phrase over and over and over again. And if you've been there, you know this phrase. It's called mind the gap. How many have heard this phrase before? Mind the gap. If you go down in the subway station in London or any of the great European cities, they will continue to say, mind the gap. Except, my, wait, mind the gap. That's the worst. I don't, 
I don't know why I even try accents. Over and over. And every time you hear it, you think, why do I need to hear this so much? I know that there's a gap. Okay, I'm not just gonna walk aimlessly and fall into like a four inch little area. Of course I'm paying attention. But there's no way they would have this many warnings over and over if some people had not fallen in the gap. It had to happen or we would not hear about it over and over and over again. How come it's not more intuitive that we just have our eyes open for the gap that's there? How come we have to be reminded again and again and again that a gap exists? I noticed the same thing in my relationship with Jesus. That when things are going great, when I feel like God is pulling me out of the lion's den, when I feel like he's pulling me out of the fire, when God is present and powerful and active in my life, when things are going my way, life is good. I feel like that's what it's meant to be. I sing the songs that we sang tonight. You are good, good, oh, God, you're good. But there are other times when we don't experience God's presence, when we look for him and don't find him, when there's a gap between him and us, when there's a gap between the way that we sing about and what we read about and what we want it to be and the way that life is appearing for us in the moment, when our reality and what God says we should be experiencing, when there's a gap between these things, and if we don't recognize that gap, that gap can easily become our grave. It can become our undoing when we don't expect the gap to be there and it shows up. If we're not told to look for it, we can fall in as well. You know, I have, uh, I have wrestled this week with what I would share in front. I've had the chance to be the director of this group of, of people for the last five months, a few months as an interim before that. But one of the things I have loved is the relationship with people in this room. I have loved uh, trying to develop a family feel. We call this place home. We want you to call it home. We ask people every time we, we choose somebody who will speak in front, we say, hey, speak out of your brokenness. Speak out of it. Don't come up here and act like you got everything together. We're not celebrities up front. Speak out of who you really are, what God is really doing, the pain and the struggle, and the God who's doing something in our life, whether we feel it or not. I have struggled and wrestled with the appropriate things to do up front. But I feel like after this time, with my family in this room, with the people that I want to be a part of this community, that it is fair for me to share out of my own story as well. December 4th, this last fall, two months ago from yesterday, was my wife's 30th birthday. I know you're thinking, Mike, aren't you 35? How come she's so much younger than you? Also, why she's way more beautiful than me. Um, it was her 30th birthday. It was a celebration. It was a good day. Uh, 30th birthday, we went to celebrate and we also got the cool opportunity, uh, to have a doctor's appointment that day. And that doctor's appointment on her 30th birthday, we went in to have our very first 
ultrasound. That was the day that we, we knew we were eight weeks pregnant. And that was an exciting day for us. We don't have any children. This is our first child. Very excited. Eight weeks is when they say that's your first ultrasound. You should come in and, and check it out. Uh, before that, the baby's too small to see. And, and so the excitement of her 30th birthday, we came in to experience a really cool moment for us and have our, our, our very first uh, look at a baby that we had been getting to know. And we'd been getting to know because I will tell you what happens when you get pregnant for the first time. You take about 20 pregnancy tests a day. The amount of money we spent on pregnancy tests... Am I still pregnant? Am I still pregnant? Am I still? Yes. Yes, you're still pregnant. So we went in on, on the fourth on an exciting day for us. When we went into the ultrasound, though, they did the ultrasound and they couldn't find the baby that we were looking for. After extensive testing, they found out that the baby was in there, but it wasn't where it was supposed to be. It's supposed to grow in the uterus. It's where babies grow. If you don't know anything about the female reproductive system. Talk to our intern, Mary Grace. She'll fill you in. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Um, humor is my coping mechanism. We learned that day after extensive testing that the baby had attached and was growing inside of the fallopian tube, a place that babies cannot grow. In fact, if the baby grew any bigger in that place, it would rupture the tube and pr produce internal bleeding. They told us we have two options on that day. We can either have surgery and remove the tube and the baby as a whole, ending its life. Or we can put you on a chemotherapy type drug that attacks fast growing cells and, and, and terminates the pregnancy in that way. And those are our two options. They did not accept my option, which was go in, take the baby, move it to the uterus. Start its life where it should be. That was the hardest day of my life. I did not think I would get that attached to somebody who I had never seen. I had not even seen an ultrasound. On my wife's 30th birthday, we sat in the emergency room in the hospital and made the hardest decision that I will ever make. Which way are we going to end the life of the baby that we are in love with? Guys, in the last two months, there has been a gap between what I want to happen in this world and what has happened in our life. Now, you know, there, there's hard things about going through grief in your life. A lot of people want to make things right for you. A lot of people want to say nice things. Um, I appreciate everybody's effort. You know, sometimes people say things that are not helpful. Um, you know, I, 
what I believe about God has not changed. But it's been very difficult, I will say. But people like to throw around Christian cliches. I will say we're not a ministry of Christian cliches here. We're not a group of people that just think, hey, everything happens for a reason. I'm going to be honest, everything does not happen for a reason. Sometimes bad things happen that are not God ordained. God does not want evil. God does not want death. God does not ordain death, pain, and evil in this world. But the fact of the free will world we live in, he allows things to happen for us to make choices, sometimes choices that hurt other people. And sometimes we are the product of a system that has been affected by the evil in this world. And sometimes bad things happen and God does not cause that to happen. That does not mean that God cannot bring good out of hard situations. That does not mean that God cannot ordain or God cannot, cannot redeem all things. But God has got a love. God is a God of love who loves me and you and my first child. That's the world we live in, that although God is in charge, he allows things to happen. That's the gap that we live in. Between eternal life, what we are excited about, a time in this world where there will be no pain and no suffering and we will experience full presence with God. In this world, where we move toward that and we get to be a part of reconciliation in this world, but everything is not the way that we want it to be. That's the gap we live in. Daniel's realizing this. Daniel's realizing this. And so I want to move on. I don't want to, I don't want to get stuck in that emotion. I know it's heavy emotion. For some of us, we're stuck there. I want you to keep going with me, okay? Keep going with me. I want, you, I want to show you what happens next in Daniel 11, okay? We're on to the third vision that Daniel has. Um, and this last vision takes up three chapters, Daniel 10, 11, and 12. And right in the middle, this is what he's reading in the vision. It says, his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time... They will fall by the sword. This is the people of God. God's people in captivity. They will fall by the sword. For a time, they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. Man, I did not want to give this message tonight. You know what message I wanted to give? Daniel 3, Daniel 6. I want to talk about God pulling us out of the fire, pulling us out of the furnace. You know what this is? This is God telling Daniel, you're not getting pulled out of the furnace right now. This is 70 years after the start of this book of Daniel. Daniel opens his book. He's 15 years old. He's 85 years old. This is 70 years right now. Daniel's thinking his time in captivity is coming to an end. He's getting out. He's going back to the promised land. He's been faithful to God for 70 years. And yet the message, the prophecy to him is you're not going back home. For a longer time, 
you will endure suffering in your life. This is a hard message. Man, I, I, I wish I could have gone back a couple weeks and, and, and given a message that's a little more fun. Here's the thing about this message, though. I want to be really clear is that I get nervous. I get nervous when I look at us, when I look at this generation as, as college students come up, is that, that we are a generation that is unable to face adversity. That as we face adversity, we don't know what to do with it. And the more we're protected and coddled as, as children, and the more that everybody gets a trophy for everything they've ever done, and it doesn't matter if you even tried, you still get one. And as soon as you get a bad grade in class, your mom calls and says, hey, they should not have got this bad grade. That has not happened to my kid. It doesn't matter if they didn't even study or bring the homework home or go to class. I'm afraid that we start to not... We st- we fail to know how to embrace adversity in our life. That when adversity happens, when things don't look the way that they're supposed to look, when God isn't doing the things for us that we think he should be doing, when there's a gap between our reality that we don't know what to do. I want to learn from Daniel. What do we do? What do we do when that gap exists in our life? I'm going to tell you the first thing, this is what I see all the time. Okay. When we're a part of a community like this and adversity happens, what we want to do is we want to disappear from community. That is not the thing to do. We want this to be a place where in the midst of adversity, we move toward a place of healing surrounded by other people who are there for us. That's what community is. It's open. It's honest. It's vulnerable. It's hard. It's not the time to disappear from community. Community is a way that God works in us. Daniel moves to prayer. He continues to move to prayer. And I know it sounds like a Christian answer, but here's what prayer does. Prayer is not just about getting God to do the things that we want him to do. Prayer is about getting God. Okay, when we spend time in prayer, we get God. We align our hearts with his. That's what's so cool about spending time in prayer. That, that sometimes that's just us sitting, that's us patient, that's us waiting, that's aligning our hearts, that's understanding who God is, what his heart for us is, and aligning ourselves with his heart and his desire for us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to wrestle with God. God can handle our anger. God can handle our pain. God can handle our disappointment. You know what I love about our God is our God loves honesty. Guys, the last two months for me have been filled with brutal honesty. Hard honesty with God. It has not looked the way that I have expected it to look. I actually thought tonight was going to be this cool night. I, you know, I, I'm somebody that's pretty open with things. I sometimes share too much. You can tell me secrets though. I don't share everybody's secrets, but I mean, even, even we found out we were pregnant at five weeks, first test. And I said, all right, 
Can't wait to tell everyone. And my wife, Rachel, she goes, please promise me you will not get up in front of the inn and say this. And she had to remind me that daily because I'm somebody that just wants to talk about, I thought this would be the day. I thought at four months, that's kind of what we talked about, that it would be the chance for me to say that and express the excitement to the community. That day has not come. There's disappointment that happens in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is filled with disappointment here for Daniel and for us. And some of us get stuck. We get lost in chapter 11. We disappear from it. Don't get stuck here. There's something coming. Chapter 12 is coming. It doesn't solve everything, but when we're stuck in chapter 11, when we can't see past it, this is why chapter 12 exists. Okay, go ahead and put that other text up there. We get to the end of it. And even though Daniel knows that his, in his life, he's not going to get the opportunity to experience the promised land. He says this, Daniel 12, 8 through 13, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of this be? I love that, first of all. Daniel's like six chapters into praying through prophecy and he goes, hey, I heard God, but I do not understand. If that's like you, you're in good company here. I feel the same way. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished, then the abomination that causes desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. I don't know why those two numbers are different. As for you, of your way till the end, you will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. You can leave that text up there. What do we do here? What do we do when we're stuck in chapter 11? This is what I love, this, this piece for Daniel. He says this, I want you to wait. As you're waiting, I want you to rest. And as you're resting, I want you to realize that even if death comes, you will rise. And as you rise, you will experience, you will receive this reward. Some of us waiting is a really hard thing. Some of us are in a season of waiting right now. And we're doing anything but resting. It is not a restful period for us. For us, waiting is an anxious period. For us, when we're waiting, it's, it's, it's not, God, I'm, 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 I'm confident in you in the future. It's not, I'm hopeful in you in the future. It's, man, I cannot stay where I'm at. God, if you were really there, you would not have let this happen. God, if you were there, I would not be stuck 
in this. God's encouragement to us through Daniel is if you are waiting, rest. As you're resting, know that that in this moment, it may not end the way you want, but you will rise. God will rise again. Jesus will rise again. There is hope. There is real hope. And it may not happen in this moment and in the way that you want it to. There's a gap between right now where you live and that time where we experience all the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. The fullness of that. We live in this period we call the already but not yet. We are already part of this kingdom of God, but but not yet. We're not yet there fully. But yet we put our hope in something that we do not fully understand. That hope is not in, you know, in just that we hope things will get better. It's not a blind hope. That hope is in the one who came and gave his life and paid the price so that we can experience full eternal relationship with him. That's the message of Daniel. Sometimes God pulls us out of the flames. Sometimes it feels like the flames last longer than they should. Lean into this community. Lean into prayer and a life of of learning to understand God more. And know that you got people here who want to walk with you in whatever it is you're going through. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I know there are times in our life where we may know who you are, but we do not know where you are. God, some of us aren't there right now. Some of us are in a place where we're experiencing your power and your presence. What you're doing in our life feels real and it makes sense. God, I pray that we can celebrate that together. We can celebrate what you're doing. God, for some of us, uh, you feel anything but close. You feel anything but present, anything but loving at this moment. God, as we learn about your heart for us, would we lean into the hope? Not only of the current reality we live in, but of the fullness of life eternal with you. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen.